and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that's part movie club, part improv comedy. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. We're going to move into our movie segment. This is our final week in our Jackie July deep dive theme. We are ending it with The Foreigner, a 2017 movie. Pretty much Jackie Chan's last Western movie uh, before he went back to do primarily Chinese cinema. But... So this was a good way for us to kind of bookend our Jackie Chan cinematic journey. We are going to be talking about this movie in depth. So if you don't want to hear us talk about this movie at all, you can skip to this time code right here. Time code 155051. So whenever we do these uh, deep dives on actors, Mm -hmm. more often than not, there's one that slips through the cracks that we think is a movie starring them, but only is on a technical level. Yeah. (laughs) When in reality, this is a Pierce Brosnan movie. (laughs) He may be first built. He may be the story this movie's about. He's in half of it. He may be on the poster and the only name on the poster. But he's in half of this movie. He's in only half of it, which is a very small amount, bro. This is not like Captain America Civil War where there's two things going on, there's one thing going on. And apparently we got a bunch of unnecessary backstory on a politician. Yeah. I'm learning I don't know how to spell the word foreigner. Foreigner. I don't know why I spell F-O-R-E-I-G-N-E-R. Yeah, that's how it was. Okay. So yeah, the poster, Jackie Chan is standing by himself. His is the only name on the poster. He's hardly in it. And some and his character serves even less in it. Yeah, I mean, this movie is taken, but with Jackie Chan. Um, yeah. It's the same movie. Um, A little bit more politics, a little bit less gangster, but it's the same thing. Yeah. This is a very politically charged movie it it is almost more a political thriller than it is any sort of action movie but it didn't have to be you know so it it didn't have to be so the basic premise of this movie is there was this whole movie takes place in the uk and there is an irish terrorist group uh kind of like a a splintered group from the ira that's like you know trying to reunite ireland and they are using terrorist bombings to get the attention of english or i guess british um diplomats and politicians and during these terrorist explosions jackie chan's daughter is killed and now he is like you said going on a taken-esque mission to kill his daughter's uh killers yep very much a i'm going to hunt you down give me the names i want revenge i have a very he doesn't say it but the dude has a special set of skills Yes. And the unfortunate part is most of this movie, at least from Jackie Chan's perspective, is him getting the names. He doesn't get the names until like the last 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah. It's like this is something that goes on for the first and second act. And it's mostly not a lot of fighting. It's a lot of bombs. Hey, do you like phone calls in your movies? Because you're going to have 300 maybe. 
lots of them, lots of phone calls, lots of showing up in offices. He's big into that. Um, it's obnoxious, bro. Um, it got to a point where I was like, we're only 15 minutes into this movie, and I think we're on our fifth or sixth phone call. And, ooh, man, I didn't realize how much I hated that until this movie. Yeah, it was just weird. It was, this movie is too straightforward. Because what it is, is Jackie Chan's like, give me names. I'm going to hunt them down. I'm going to kill them and go back to my life. And the guy keeps like, I don't have any names. I don't have any names. I don't have any names. And every time he says that, Jackie Chan escalates it a little bit. Like, well, I called you a bunch of times. Now I'm going to show up at your office. I'm going to keep doing this. Now I'm going to bomb your office. Okay. Now that you're leaving the office, I'm going to follow you to your house. It just keeps escalating until someone else gives them the names. Yeah. And that's an hour in the movie. And this whole time, Pierce Brosnan's character is the ambassador, kind of, between Northern Ireland and the rest of Britain. And so there's this already strange relationship between Northern Ireland and the rest of the UK. And everyone kind of assumes like, so Pierce Brosnan's character is like totally in on it, right? Like yeah, everyone's he like, used to be a member of the IRA and he left. And everyone's like, we all know you're still connected. Like stop pretending like you used to be a part of this group and you're not anymore. We still know you know the people. We still know you're in charge of it or you're in the leadership. But he's just like, that's all been under the hush hush. And the whole movie is spent almost trying to convince us, the audience, that Pierce Brosnan is not involved in this scheme. And then at the end of the movie, we learn he kind of was. And I'm like, all right, well, we kind of figured, you know, you went so far out of your way. Pierce is... Pierce Brosnan is is English. He's not Irish, and his accent no, he's Irish. sucks. I don't think so. He's Irish. Well, I hate to, dude. He's okay, bro. This is like maybe he, dude. Can you imagine? He's like doing his accent and be like, "Well, this is what we sound like." And the director's like, "Can you give me a little bit more, a little bit more Irish?" And he goes, "No, but this is like my voice." And he goes, "Yeah, it doesn't sound real enough." And we're like, "Okay, well, I am so Irish." He- and like, well, turn so, it up. so he grew, so he was born in Ireland, but moved to, to England. And so he was in an English community with Irish parents. So he, I, dude, you can tell his Irish accent seems forced. He definitely did not grow up with his accent. So either he had a real accent and someone forced him to butcher it, or he's like, technically on paper, I'm Irish, but like, I don't talk like that. And they're like, well, we need you to. And it sounds bad. And here is where uh, Alex and I kind of show our ignorance because I have never heard Pierce Brosnan talk when he's not in a character. So this could be what he just sounds like. And we're just insulting what a man is just, it's just his normal day to day. Well, I saw uh, him and I would never as know. a James Bond. Okay, but again, ago. another character. But that's, You're and also he's done interviews and point. stuff. He's done interviews. And I, and I don't remember it being this bad. So it's possible, but I, like, I don't remember, I don't remember his voice in the interviews, which means it wasn't that bad because you can't watch this movie and not remember his accent. It's horrendous. Now, I could take the two seconds to, Google Pierce Brosnan interview and figure it out, but that's much too sophisticated for this podcast. Regardless, didn't love Pierce Brosnan in this movie. No, not at all, dude. <laughs> also, it felt like he was constantly like denying that there was a real problem. Hey, bro, 
after they bomb your office, call in the big guns. Why yeah. are we slowly and slowly and slowly escalating this further and further? He blows well, up your here's barn. Why. Uh, here's why. It's because he was trying to play both sides. And I think that forced him to, you know, he half-assed both sides. And it came across in his character, I think. And, you know, that might have been done on purpose. You know, that's a character choice. Him not committing to either the Irish or the English part of his character. Um, But at the end of the day, what I saw was not a character um, not being able to choose between... Not being able to choose where his loyalty lies, but rather in, in a not fully formed character choice. Bro, let me tell you to you like this. I did not watch this movie for Pierce Brosnan, but I was forced to endure a backstory, a relationship, and his complexities with his nephew and his wife and a bunch of other things that is super weird and his role and his job. I'm like, I don't care about any of this and you're forcing me to. Show me Jackie Chan. Show me bombs. Show me guns. I want to see all that cool stuff. But like... I feel like Taken did this better, and this came out way after Taken. The first action scene isn't until 40 minutes into the movie. It's too long. It's too too long. long. And watching a character sleep with his aunt made me uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, in my head, I'm like, well, I mean, obviously they're not biological. But another part of me is like, hey, man, still weird, though. Still weird. Still weird, though. Not okay. Wouldn't recommend if you're on the fence. It was just uncomfortable. And let me tell you, the relationship with... We can't keep calling him Pierce Brosnan. What's his character's name? Hennessy? Yeah. What a name, bro. The relationship between Hennessy and his wife is rocky, which is why when he finds out that his nephew is sleeping with his wife, he's just like, do what I told you to do and then just leave the country. And I'm like, oh, you're not going to kill him? He's like, hey, man, Mary sucks anyway. So like, do your job and then dip. She ain't worth it. And he's like... Sweet, can do. And I'm like, well, that was weird. I don't like that. Now, I will say, hard pivot, is that this movie does deliver on one of my favorite tropes, which is an incredibly physically weathered action star. Because Jackie Chan is an incredibly weathered man in this movie. He looks old. So it is, it's one of those things that like when you see like John Harrison Rick. Ford in Indiana Jones, like yeah. in like C- Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. You're like, you're kind of pushing your limits on this, but I'm going to let you keep doing it because I like you. Same right. vibe well, here. Well, I also like don't like it in movies when someone's like meets John Wick and they're like, that guy can't beat me up. And he does. I'm like, he looks like a guy who could beat you up. He looks like a guy who could kill you. So when these guys underestimate Jackie Chan, I'm like, that's fair. I would also underestimate jackie chan if he looked like this in real life i'm like i too would be blown away that he could kill all these dudes so like when they underestimated him i'm like that makes perfect sense i totally get why you would do that like it took him a while for like to pull jackie's file that and you find out he's like american special forces and then they're like oh that makes a lot of sense and i'm like still this is impressive (laughs) the dude is supposed to be playing a person who's like 71 and he's Merkin people. So, I don't know. I wouldn't go that far. I think he's like 60 or something. Um, I'm just saying. I'm talking facts, bro. I'm pulled this from trivia. Actually, okay. this is the tricky part. Because <laughs> the movie says he's 61. However, his yes. file would place him at 76. 
So okay. he's somewhere mm-hmm. in there. Because yeah. his birth yeah. in the movie is supposed to be in 1941. But in this movie, they're like, how can a man who's only 61 do all this? I'm like, so he's between 61 and 76. Either way, the dude's insane. And the action in this movie is really cool. When they're breaking into his apartment and he like jumps through the roof and like slides down a hardly attached pole. Like there are still some really solid Jackie Chan level stunts in this movie. They are just incredibly few and far between. Which oh, also again, they're not the sense. funny fights. That you're used to in the previous movies. These are all like, oh, this guy's fighting for his life. Yeah, which is a fine tone. I'm okay with his with this movie having that darker tone to it. I just think that the story beats in between felt so different than the rest of the movie that was being delivered. Um, I I still enjoyed all the action scenes. Like every time he like murked folks in the forest, like I was like, yes, get 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 him, Jackie, get him. Yeah, but dude, it was like watching else. Forest Home Alone Home Alone. I'm like, oh yeah. this is nuts. So I just I really didn't like the plot for this movie. It's it's a lot of heavy dialogue about a subject matter that I wasn't personally invested in, and also not the subject matter I was anticipating when going into this movie. You know, I was expecting like Jackie Chan, like almost like detective work from him, but There's not a lot of that. He plays a very cool character. I think that, like, solemn, broken man is a very cool character that we haven't really seen from Jackie Chan at all this month. You know, this very collected, like, when he walks into Hennessy's ranch and he's wearing that bomb vest, like, you could see the emptiness in his eyes where he's just like, I will blow us up. I really do not care. Like, that was a very cool character moment. Yeah, dude, he was just super cool and I wanted more. And I'm like, I don't care about this other stuff because all this other stuff didn't involve Jackie Chan. None of it was him. I'm like, I probably would be more interested in this politics and stuff if he was a part of it. But instead, we're cutting away to a brand new cast of characters and he's not involved at all. It's very annoying. And I'm like, I'm here for Jackie, dude. We're all here for Jackie. No one cares if anyone else is in this movie. So let's figure this out. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I can recommend this movie with uh, with an easy conscience. Um, it, like, it, it's a it's v- so heavy political that if that's your shtees, then this is going to be your movie. I, I just did not find that very interesting. So I think for me, I think it's a five and a quarter. I'm giving it a flat six. There was just some of those action scenes, like the one where SWAT is about to storm the apartment and he kills yeah. everyone before they get there. I'm like, okay, bro. I'll this is the one Jackie Chan movie where anything negative I have to say about this movie, not his fault. It is, he, uh, he did everything perfectly. Yeah. No notes. Zero notes. <laughs> so I'm giving it just a six I, because I wouldn't say this movie isn't watchable because this is my second time seeing it. I saw this in oh, theaters. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so it's a six for that reason. I think once you get to a five, this is movies like this movie's okay, but I'm never watching it again. A six is slightly above that and I did watch it again. So yeah, it's a flat six. I would watch it for the action scenes, but just know that you can be on your phone when Jackie Chan's not on screen. 
Like yeah, you're gonna, you're not gonna know what's I. going on, but it doesn't matter. All right, Alex, what's our improv segment? We're bringing back an oldie, dude. We do this every once in a while, but it's always a banger. We're doing Sell Me This Pod. I knew it. I felt it in my heart of hearts. So for all of you who are not ride or dies, who don't listen to every single episode, we haven't done this one. But you know what? Don't blame you. Don't blame you. Hey, man, neither do I. I don't (laughs) listen to every single episode. Um, we haven't done this one since our October series when oh wow a man called Andrew was on the podcast. Um, man, and all it is I haven't heard from him either. Yeah, he's he fled the country. Um, <laughs> how this works is one of us is gonna bring up something that's a relatively good idea, just a good concept, and the, and the other person is their job to do a soft pitch of about forty five to a minute of why that's a horrible thing, and then we're gonna switch. And decide who did the better pitch. And then we're going to do the exact same thing, but opposite. You're going to give a, a horrible thing. And the other person has to be like, well, that happens to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. And do a 45 to a minute long pitch. Now, here's the thing. If we got the time and Craig chooses to leave this in, we used to do a run of the mill word. Very Third neutral. Third neutral round. If it was close, like if it was, if Craig won the first round, I won the second round, we had a tiebreaker and the other person just got to choose where to go with it. If this gets kept in, that means we did that. The goal is for us to go, not with the first thing that comes to your mind or the second thing. We're trying to skip straight to like the 11th thing that you, like, how did they pull this? That's what we're yeah, going for. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, Alex, I want you to tell me why um thorough and dedicated scrapbooking is a bad thing okay give me a second all right i'm timing myself so you don't need to worry about it okay so here's the thing about thorough and dedicated scrapbooking i come from a family with a practical historian on my family now let me tell you why that's bad okay it's for things i consider alibis when you have a record keeper a person with pictures captions, locations, and they distribute this information to family members, it's a bit of a problem as far as national security, as far as getting away with felonies, things like that. Now, I'm not a criminal. I don't want to be a criminal. But let me tell you to you like this. If something were to happen and I'm protecting myself, doing some vigilante justice, maybe helping out the world, I need some plausible deniability and I don't need a person tracking my behavior. I don't care if I'm in the back picture of like, hey, my daughter just turned two and Alex was at this party. You're ruining it and I'm going to go to prison, possibly for the rest of my life. Don't let that be you and the scrapbooking. Okay. What a freaking pitch, dude. I'm. Let me tell you, I'm sticking by that. But wouldn't the pictures give you plausible deniability? Be like, hey, see, I was here at this location. Like, you don't need to worry about me. No, Craig, because here's the thing. I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to be the premeditated kind of guy. I'm a, I'm a crime of passion kind of person. Okay. Because right, I think okay, I'm a relatively sure. chill individual. So what's going to happen is if someone dies at a party, now you're proving that I was at that party. Because I'm not okay. gonna, I'm not gonna be like the. I mean, I like to be smart. I think I like, I would enjoy that stuff. But I'm not a revenge kind of person. I'm not gonna hunt you okay. down. I'm not gonna think it through. I think what's gonna happen is someone's gonna walk in and be like, "Hey, uh, I'm actually your wife's husband." I'm gonna be like, "What?" And be like, "Yeah, she's got a second family." And I'm just gonna lose it. And I don't need proof that I was there. You know. So that's all right. Fair enough. F- fair enough. Alex, what am I turning on its head? Okay. Here's the thing. We're gonna take something we use every day, Craig. You and me, we're going to go with microphones. The invention 
and the current use of microphones. So I think there's a very obvious uh, downside to microphones is the fact that now, because everybody can record their voice, everybody feels like they need to share their voice. And let me tell you, as someone whose voice is mm, neutral to listen to at best, I understand that Everybody sharing their voice at once is not necessarily a benefit of our society. Every now and then you're going to get, you know, a light in the darkness and you're going to be like, this was all worth it. And then you're going to scroll through four more absolute nonsensical videos, podcast clips, what have you. And you're going to be like, oh, right. This is why we're doomed as a society. Ten seconds. as an outlet, you need to understand the responsibility that microphones have and how Alex and I abuse it on an almost daily basis. Okay. See, I hear you, but I think that was the that was the mainstream choice. It was the mainstream. mainstream choice. I think you went with the first or second idea and we needed something more obscure. So yeah, good points. The obscure, arguable. The, obs- the obscurity element is I think new to this game. It's we never been a go- thing before. It's really never been a thing before. But I think that's where the comedy comes from. And we yeah, are. and you stated it with such a matter of fact, I decided not to fight you on it then. But now, I'm going to be like, let's be clear. Every other time we've done this game, it was the first thing we thought of. Now, here's the thing, Greg. This is an improv podcast. So are you telling me that you can't improv the rules? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I Moving on. I- um, do you want to break and go straight into the next one, or do you want to lead this one again? Um, I'm going to give you a bad thing that you have to make good, and <laughs> um, I want you to tell me about intense medical debt. Okay, 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 okay. Intense medical debt. It affects a lot of us. Did you know that 80% of your life's expenses spent on medical is just in the last two years of your life. So you're just leaving your family in debt. Now, let me tell you why you need to do that. Leave your family in debt. If you can, accumulate that debt beforehand as early as you can in your life. And I'll tell you why. Immediately, with only 30 seconds left. You need to live your life hopelessness. You need to get to a point where you have nothing to lose. Where you're like, I have 300 grand that I owe some obscure hospital that barely kept me alive. I don't even have both my legs. And you know what? That's a good thing. Because you need to get to a point where you're like, nothing matters. And that's when you can truly find yourself. When you're not worried about money. When you're not worried about what happens after you die, you're dead. You don't, you're not worried about the future because it can only mean bad things. You're worried about now and you can finally live because what is there to live for? Okay. okay. Now let me tell you, that's a real bad message. And if you just clip that and send it to, I don't know, wounded warriors, I'm finished. <laughs> I'm finished. <laughs> I mean, I, w- I might send that to the IRS before I send it to anyone else. Yeah. It's just one of those things that like, it's, 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 it's all fake. It's, anyway. it's a perspective. It's a perspective, you know, um, Craig, I'm not going to give you anything particularly heinous. I'm just going to give you a run of the mill. No one likes it and we'll see how you can make it. So everybody likes it. Um, and it doesn't even happen very often, but it's paper cuts. I knew that's exactly what you were going to say. Ooh, I felt it in my brain. See, I was stuck I between was... paper cuts and stubbing your toe, but I feel like stubbing your toe is too mid. So I'm like, we're going paper cuts. So here's here's what I have to say about paper cuts in general. is They are the number one way to trigger somebody's sympathy pains, right? So mm-hmm. if you see someone get a paper cut, 
nine times out of 10, everyone in the room is going to wince when that happens. And the one person that doesn't is a sociopath. And now you have a read on your friend group better than you have ever had before. And so it's twofold. A, identifying the people that don't feel emotions in your group. And two, it's a non-physical way for you to get at your enemies. So if you just stand in front of them and just start purposefully giving yourselves paper cuts, then you are going to send them into a sort of uh, empathetic sensory overload. And I feel like that's a great way to psychologically mess with somebody without actually having to perform any physical or emotional harm. And I'm pretty sure you can't get charged for that. (sighs) That's a good take. Didn't see that coming. That's a pretty good take. I think you won this round. (laughs) I did not see that coming at all. My immediate go-to was like, Raise your pain tolerance. Start with the small stuff, like paper yep, cuts. Yeah, but um, I nope, like your twist. Psychological <laughs> warfare. <laughs> I like twist. Okay, so here here's my neutral statement that I'm going to give to you that you have to take in one direction or the other. All right, swivel chairs. Okay. This is this is by far the it's it's the round three is always the hardest round because the object is so incredibly neutral to take. To take an extreme stance one way or the other, you really got to dig in there. Everyone is familiar with the computer chair. People have seen it in movies as the villain who sinisterly turns around holding his cat. We've seen it in high schools and middle schools where people just gliding across the hallways. But let me tell you what they're not telling you. Behind the lawsuits of people getting hurt and the teachers demonstrating like centrifugal force, there's another force going on, a hidden force. It's called brainwashing. Everything you know about swivel chairs is wrong. Every time you spin, there's a little neuron in your brain that makes you a little bit more hostile. It's only generated by horizontal planes of gravity. And the mainstream media is not covering that right now. Do you know what they say about the commander in chief? He sits in a swivel chair every single day. And you don't think Iraq and Afghanistan have anything to do with it? I'm just saying, ask the questions. Now, this one was particularly fun because Alex said, okay, I think I got it. And then talked slower than I've ever heard him talk before because he was unsure of the next word that was about to come out of his mouth. (laughs) so hard, dude, because my idea was like, I'm going to make this about science teachers. And I realized that's going to go nowhere. I I have like maybe a sentence about how they might demonstrate that and what we're supposed to go from there. And then you started talking about brainwashing and I'm like, oh, he's lost it. Whatever ground he had, he no longer When I has. said that, I'm like, well, here we go, man. Let's see what you got. Because I didn't know the next sentence coming out of my mouth. I was rolling the dice on my own psyche. All right, Alex, let's see what let's see let's see if I can't uh, muster something together. Okay, yours is just going to be static. So, static I think is um what's the I'm I'm lost at the specific word. Static is I think an unfortunate uh it's setting an unfortunate precedent for our children because static is one of the first ways that a child learns to uh control and manipulate electricity and it happens at such a way that they understand and can physically feel and touch that a lot of kids 
feel like electricity and manipulating electricity physically is going to become a much bigger part of their lives. Kind of like a firebender in Avatar The Last Airbender. But they learn very quickly that that is not the case. Because they're like, oh, if I rub this balloon, I create electricity that I can shock somebody with. And they're like, okay, obviously, step after that, fork and outlet, hand on brother, I will electrocute brother. Um, Hey, yeah, that's how it works. But hey, you as the conduit still gets hurt. So I think that uh, static electricity kind of gives kids an unfair notion of what their future is going to be like. Okay. I'm not going to lie to you. We both we both kind of dropped the ball there. Yeah. I was confused on your thesis. I didn't yeah. know what you were trying to get across until you wrapped it up with it. I had a feeling it had something to do with like the false pretenses because you brought that up when you referenced the Avatar The Last Airbender. Yes. Um, that was the phrase I was not I was not able to find was like it the, the, it sets this precedent of like, oh, I can manipulate electricity when in reality you cannot. You're just holding a little bit on the tip of your skin. OK, I think we have to leave this one up to the audience. Shoot us a text because we know you got it or hit yeah. us up on our socials. Let us know who you think won. I think the first two rounds evened out. Let us know who won round three. All right. Alex, I'm going to need your help with this middle segment because I don't know what it's called. Beautiful. Um, So this is a segment where I have put together a list of actors that have worked together. Except one of them is not real. These actors have not worked together. And so it is up to you to peruse the combinations of actors that I have given you and see which two I just made up. Which two of these did not work together? We have definitely done this before. We have. But I think we did it in an episode that got lost. I think it was the last time we lost recording. And we probably did it again. Have Pod and Cast ever met? Yes. Wow. Okay. So this segment is called Have Pod and Cast Ever Met? This was back when we were when we were on our uh, on our pun train. All right. <laughs> so I have I have four rounds built for us. All right. So if we end up needing a tiebreaker, oh well. Sweet. So here okay. is <laughs> here is our first set of pairings. Have Forrest Whitaker and Mads Mikkelsen work together? Oh, that sounds like they would. Oh, Steve sure. Martin and Seth MacFarlane and Jimmy Fallon and Queen Latifah. I'm gonna believe the last one. This is hard. Okay, what were the first two? Forrest Whitaker and Mads Mikkelsen. Okay. And then Steve Martin and Seth MacFarlane. I feel like Seth MacFarlane, if they worked together, it was like briefly like Family Guy or something. Yeah. You know? Okay. Um, Which is totally possible. I'm going to say that one. You're going to say that that... Yeah, I'm going to say that one's not real because Mads Mikkelsen and Forrest Whitaker, they're both like t- technically famous. Okay. But they're not like leads. Like they're one of the leads. They're not the lead. Both of them. Sure. Um, I, I've seen movies where they were both leads and they're forgettable. But I'm going to go ahead and say the second one's not real. What a mean way to deduce that. Was it true, though? I don't know. So, but you you just immediately believe Jimmy Fallon and Queen Latifah? Yeah. It's just one of those things. Like, oh, Jimmy Fallon does three movies. All of them bad. That's why he became a host. Queen Latifah does half of her movies are bad. It just makes sense. Yeah. Um, Forrest Whitaker and Mads Mikkelsen were both in Rogue One. And Jimmy oh. Fallon and Queen Latifah had a movie called Taxi together in the 90s. Um, the the Steve Martin and Seth MacFarlane one was, in fact, fake. But I'm saying, like, if they were, it had to have been Family Guy. Bro, I'm freaking, who am I, dude? I'm I'm so good. Hit me with okay. the next one. 
I'm about to bomb this for sure. Martin Freeman and Lawrence Fishburne, Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth, and Jennifer Lawrence and Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, this is straight up impossible. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So Pfeiffer and Lawrence. I don't know. Very similar vibes. Very Very similar vibes. Very similar vibes. I'm concerned because Pfeiffer doesn't do a whole lot of movies anymore. And Lawrence did a lot of movies in a short period of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there would have been much overlap, but that one's bugging me for some reason. Okay. Um, I'm not sure what to do with that information. We um, can put it to the side and look we'll put, at the other okay. two for a second. Okay. What are the other so two? So the then? other two were Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth. Okay. That seems Martin. like a gotcha. That seems like a, okay. they're, they're similar types. Like they're both in superhero movies. Um, <sighs> keep it. Okay. And what's the other one? Martin Freeman and Lawrence Fishburne. Okay, so here's the thing. I'm going to go with that one because it makes the most sense. Does that make sense? <laughs> because like yeah. when when all three are crazy, I have to be like, he picked those crazy ones because they sound crazy and he just created the most realistic one. So I'm going to go with that one. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence and Michelle Pfeiffer were in Mother together. Didn't see it. Okay. Yep. Didn't see it. And then Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth were both in the 2009 Star Trek movie. To get- they weren't, they didn't have any scenes together, but Chris Hemsworth played Chris Pine's dad in yeah, the 2009 Star Trek. also didn't see that. This is just straight up guessing. I'd, I've <laughs> never seen either one of those movies or watch trailers. So yeah, Martin F- Freeman and Lawrence Fishburne were, was the fake one. Okay. Okay. Robin Williams and Terrence Howard. Oh, for Rachel, sure they've done a movie together. For sure. Rachel McAdams and Maggie Gyllenhaal. And then Victoria Justice and Adam Lambert. See, that's going to be impossible because I don't know anything about them. Like, I don't know anything. She, oh, you know what? That could have probably happened is like this was back when like Nickelodeon would just have people from American Idol on because oh this person's pop culture yeah and, sure. and just have them on so it could have just been like on victorious however ah dude this is straight up impossible <laughs> um what are the other ones Robin Williams and Terrence Howard my gut is telling me that's real so I'm not even going to look into that okay and then Rachel McAdams and Maggie Gyllenhaal they have very similar vibes as well. I they don't do. know what. There's a couple of movies that Rachel McAdams has been in. I think she plays a reporter or a journalist in one of them. That seems like something Maggie, Maggie Gyllenhaal would be in. I'm gonna go with the last one because I, I, I just don't know. I don't so you know. think the Rachel McAdams and Maggie Gyllenhaal one is fake? No, I think the uh, Victoria Justice. Oh, the Victoria Justice and that one. You know what? Here's one? the thing. I know they're together. I know those two have done something together. But I'm gonna pick it because how dare you include those if those are fake? <laughs> like what? How about we stick to people who still make movies? You know, like that's not fair. So I'm okay, gonna go. Well, with Robin Williams is dead, so he. I guess he shouldn't be included either. Yeah, but we all know. I mean, like he's an A-lister. You know, he's an A-lister. How dare you throw in some B-listers? And I have to freaking recall <laughs> the spin-offs we did for Victorious. golly dude i bet you she makes music now so robin williams and terrence howard were in august rush together okay i just went with my and then and then victoria justice and adam lambert were both in the rocky horror picture show live special that nbc did i knew it was gonna be some crap like that bro i knew it was gonna be so (laughs) obscure that's not even fair that's not fair I mean, it's fair if you like Rocky Horror Picture Show. Golly, dude. How was I supposed to know? Okay. I mean, okay, last one. Last. I got to get this right so it's not a 50-50. Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. Oh, 
that's the 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 guys, the dudes. I've I've seen that movie. The new guys. Okay. Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck and then Blake Lively and Chris Pratt. Okay. So it's between Blake Lively and Chris Pratt. Dude, there's they're it feels like they'd be in the same thing. Um cuz Blake Lively does that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like but the thing is Blake Lively's not in a bunch of funny movies and Chris Pratt isn't in Serious movies. Actually, that's um, not true. Recently, yeah, he has been. Sometimes Chris Pratt does movies that are too serious for his own good. Okay. And what was the other one? Uh, Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. No. And then Bruce we, Willis and real. Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck and Bruce Willis. Now, here's the thing. Bruce Willis made up. Yeah bunch of movies recently recently yeah and i have no way of knowing <laughs> dude he made so many movies and ben affleck could have been one of them he made like six movies recently i have yeah. no idea mm-hmm. so if he's in one of those that's it bro but i mean i've seen gone girl i've seen argo and town we did both of those um golly dude so okay so is it more helpful to look at this from a bruce willis standpoint or a ben affleck standpoint i'm gonna say ben affleck here's the thing ben affleck would be in a bruce willis movie not the other way around because bruce willis has been famous for so long so ben affleck could be in a bruce willis movie real early on and might not be a main character you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um so i might just chalk it up to that be like oh it was new in ben affleck's career but bruce willis was the guy. And now what was the other one? So I'm going to I'm gonna say that uh, one's real. I'm going to say get the Russell Crowe. Blake Crow, Lively uh, and Chris Pratt. Yeah. I'm just going to say that Chris Pratt has not been doing serious movies long enough to be in a Blake Lively movie. Okay. So you were right. Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. That movie is called The Other Guys. Gotcha. Yep. And then Ben Affleck was in Armageddon with Bruce yep. Willis. For, that came out forever ago. I bet you Ben Affleck was brand new. So he probably wasn't even he, on the cover. He was, Um, he is, in fact, on the cover. He is oh, third well, build. Shows what I know about <laughs> movies. But I was right anyway. So flawed logic, yes. correct answer. Yeah. Good thing I showed my work. <laughs> and that was uh, Have Pod and Cast Ever Met. Turns out they have Good a few know, times. Man. And I came out a winner again, so I'll take it. Um, We're going to bring this thing home with a one hit wonder something that is never coming back we're doing this one segment once and then we're saying adios and this one's called christmas in july now craig around the holidays you and i tend to give some advice on gift giving and whatnot however it is very popular in both the northern and southern hemisphere to celebrate Christmas in the middle of the year. For Which is crazy. I don't sign on to that at all. If it's you do this, weird. seek help. People listen to Christmas music. People do gifts. They decorate houses. It's weird. It's It makes sense for everyone in the Southern Hemisphere because it's cold there. It's winter. So now they can watch all those Hallmark movies where it's cold outside and they can relate. Now everyone in the Northern Hemisphere is just making fun of it. Because it's hot outside and it's weird now. So we're going to come up with bottom of the list presents. Something that you would only give other people for a Christmas in July. Don't give these presents for real Christmas. Like your friend has been bugging you about Christmas in July for like three years now. And in in order to satisfy them just so they'll shut up, you agree to do it once. And you're showing up to this party at a pure obligation and you're getting just something at family dollar so that way you know you're participating and you don't have to worry about it again not quite a white elephant gift because you don't you don't want to stand out as the guy with the worst gift but you're not gonna give it any serious time or money so we're gonna give advice to you that if you got wrapped up into one of these parties we're gonna help you out first 
any sort of like mid tier food items, like like a like one of those like five pound bags of gummy bears, you know. Thanks for the candy. I like candy. I'll eat it. Yeah. Not gonna buy it for myself, but not personal to me. And you know, there are some people that do like the heavily themed like hot chocolate mixes. Um, bags of popcorn, um, stuff like that. All of that fits into this category. Yeah. I think you could definitely double down on the Christmas theme by giving Christmas stuff. And a lot of the stuff is going to be cheap. So yeah. if you want to go ahead and get like candy canes and stuff, freaking go for it. Um, I recommend like going to Walgreens and getting like a 20 or $30 pair of headphones, like the behind the glass case that someone has to open, <laughs> you know, because everyone has a broken pair or they want something like, I just want something I can wear to the gym or I just want something I can wear for airplanes. Just get them that extra pair that they don't have to feel bad about. Or this would be a good gift to give like middle schoolers who never have their own headphones. This is like their first pair of headphones that yeah. they don't have to share with anybody mm-hmm. else. They don't they don't care if it's just like the cheapest skull candy. Just give or, them something like that. Uh, another gift idea, if you really want to stir the pot, uh, gift someone a vape. You know, especially someone okay. that you know. Like, hey, this person's never vaped before. They probably wouldn't like it and it'd be bad for their health. Um Let's send a real message, you know? I you know, <laughs> I got this, and you know, this is my old one. It got handed down to me from my brother, and now I'm going to give it to you. Have fun. Um, <clears throat> I think to go with the Christmas theme, you could send it, like, just do a uh, retro, like a uh, Red Rider BB gun, but you could do, like, an Etch-A-Sketch. Because no one's got an Etch-A-Sketch and was sad. They might have been disappointed because they thought it was an iPad because they feel the same. <laughs> but, like, I feel like it'd be such a throwback that it would be popular at the party and very inexpensive to get yeah mm-hmm. sort of like a slinky throw a slinky in there too everyone loves slinky. yeah and if you want to do you could get a package of intentionally bad gag gifts like those uh groucho marx glasses right and uh like the whoopee cushions just like the worst prank kit you can find and this is and this goes back to doubling down on like the i kind of don't want to do this so i'm giving you the patented classic bad gift gift right i think another thing you could do is go to like those bins at walmart that are like just dvds two for five dollars like there's not even blu-rays in there and you spend 10 bucks give them four movies and then just make up a theme be like, uh, yeah. they all have Sylvester Stallone in them. And you're like, oh, that's cool. Like, interesting. Or just be like, they're all buddy cop movies. Just look for a theme. And the, it makes it sound very thought through. And you only spend 10 yeah. bucks. Oh. Or just get them a label maker. I know people like label makers. Yeah, we could just go practical gift and be like, hey, I got you a really good box of pens. There's only five of them, but they're going to last you forever. And people are going to want to steal them. So take care of them. And they're going to be like, you know, it wasn't what I wanted, but I'm not going to spend this money on me. So I'm glad you're hooking it up. Like you could just be that practical guy. Oh, you could also give your you could also give um, gifts that give people an excuse to leave a bad party. So if you give someone nice headphones, you can be like, ah, now I got to go home and charge these. You know, I want to make sure I use them as soon as possible. So uh, I guess I, I guess I got to head out then. Or, I mean, you could be that guy, kids do this all the time, is you get gifts that you would like that they can't do by themselves. You know? Kids do this all the time. They'll be like, hey, dad, I got you two squirt guns. And be like, well, what am I going to do with two? And be like, now we can play together. I'm like, oh, so you got 
squirt guns so we can do this together. So if you want to get like a board game that you've always wanted to play, you can give it to them. So now you don't have to constantly bring your board game over to their house. And now they always have it like Settlers of Catan or like Code Names or something like that. People love that. Also, Uno is always a hit, but you can't get like the basic one because everyone already has it. So you got to go on eBay and look for like Uno Attack. People love that stuff. For sure, for sure. Um, and Maybe like one more each. Yeah, you could um, get like, maybe this isn't a gift, right? This is a party theme where, you know what? No, now I, I started thinking about Christmas in July parties and I started thinking about people wearing ugly Christmas sweaters yep. in July and that mm-hmm. made, it irritated me. I don't know if you noticed the tone in my voice change when I started thinking about that a little bit more and now I'm kind of just angry. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, dude, I just got a great Christmas in July. And everyone hates gift cards. But what you could do is get them like three months subscription to a streaming service they don't have. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. super practical. Just be like, hey, I know there's no reason for you to have Apple TV Plus. But like Ted Lasso's on there and the morning show. And I'm co-signing both of those. So help yourself. You got three months to watch them. (laughs) <laughs> just go ahead and now, but now it forces them into a social contract to watch all the shows that you've recommended now, them i spent Ooh, money evil. and you don't have an excuse or just don't give rex and just be like hey i just got you a three-month subscription to showtime so yeah knock yourself out yeah go watch your honor i guess <laughs> yeah you'll figure it out man yeah, if anybody invites me to a Christmas in July party, I'm blocking their phone number. Yeah, dude. I've only run into it when I was camping because campers need themes. And, like, people would bring Christmas lights and put them, like, on their campers and have stockings. And I'm like, do you have nothing else going on in your life? And I'm glad once we gave all these gift wrecks, we're now flaming people who are using them. But <laughs> yeah, it's, it's um, wild, bro. But, however, I am now fully anticipating myself to get christmas caroled um as soon as i go to sleep tonight (laughs) right (laughs) the the ghost of christmas in july is gonna knock on my door and be like hey why are you so jaded are you okay are things going okay at work and i'm gonna be like mostly and they're gonna be like all right maybe we just need to talk about it maybe maybe you're projecting your inner thoughts onto christmas in july and i'm gonna be like get out of my house so what else have you been watching um i am one episode away from finishing the boys season okay four. yes this and i think we talked about my opinion last week so yeah right this show is just too gratuitous as okay. far as violence as far as nudity it i think in an effort to be like we're gonna show you the things that superheroes do that is never seen before we're gonna keep this real it felt like Hey, man, I don't need to see all of this. This felt uncomfortable. I don't care that it's real. A lot of this feels unnecessary. Like, almost every episode is rated R, especially the first one and the sixth one. And it got to a point where I'm like, this makes me uncomfortable. And I think a lot of people are like, oh, I've never seen this before. I'm like, yeah, but there's a reason, you know? So I think the plot is interesting. But, like, a lot of times I'm watching these episodes, I'm like, I feel like I shouldn't be watching this. Like, this is... This is unnecessary. Um, I know that's what attracts a lot of people to it. I know a lot of times, also recently, especially this season, um, Homelander has a big uh, Trump influence on his character. And a lot of people are like, that's uncomfortable. And I'm like, for me, Homelander's always had that kind of vibe. But now he's like, it's like borderline Trump impressions. And it's kind of, it's kind of pulling me from the story. I'm like, this is a little, it's too relevant, you know? 
It's like when people put COVID in their TV shows now. I'm like, hey, man, I get that it, it's real and it happened, but it's taking me out of this fake world that we're in right now. So and all in all, I'm about to watch the season finale, but it's not my favorite season. Yeah, I've said it before, you know, show's not very subtle. So I, I think, you know, just depending on what part of the show you are interested in, eventually that lack of subtlety is probably going to catch up to you at some point. Yeah. And it got me. This one's just like, it's just a little too much. The other ones were not this crazy. Um, I watched Thor Love and Thunder oh, uh, twice on accident. <laughs> um, so I watched it once by myself and once with friends back to back. And mm-hmm. it's good. I liked it. Um, so I think a very big strength that this movie has is it is very simple. After watching Eternals and Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, where it's like, all right, here are some big themes that's going to change the MCU. Thor Love and Thunder is like, let's have some fun. Nice. Let's kill a bad guy and have some fun. What and a lot Christian of people are... Christian Bale is so good. Christian Bale it, is so good. I knew He's it. He's so good. I want to see it like, so bad. Like when I saw it with my friends, one of them was like, was that Christian Bale? I'm like, yeah, that was Christian Bale. And she like got very excited. Like, like I knew it. It was too good for it to not be Christian Bale. Um, a lot of people are criticizing this movie because it is too comedy focused and sacrifices character moments for comedy. And I don't disagree with that sentiment. I just think that it's nice to have a movie like this. Um, this movie is very Taika Waititi. And so if you are not a fan of his style, this movie is not going to get to you. I am hit or miss on him. So this movie was just a hit for me. Um, as far as MCU movies go, I think it's in the top third of this phase, at least. Nice. Um, so, what do you think, you know, better? Or if you had to compare it to Ragnarok? Because everyone loves Ragnarok. Uh, yes. Pretty much across I had, the board. I had to watch Ragnarok twice before I was like, I understand why everyone loves this so much. I did not have to do that with Thor Love and Thunder. The first time around, I was like, oh, yeah, I like this movie a lot. So for, for me, it was easier to like than Ragnarok. Also, this might be a hot take. Not having Loki in this movie is one of the best things about it. I think I'm, after uh, Tom Hiddleston was in his own show, that's, by the way, Emmy nominated. It's one of those things that, like, we don't we don't need, just because they're in the Marvel Universe and it might make sense, we don't need them in everything, you know? Yeah, and so this movie doesn't deal with Loki at all. And Loki's been one of my least favorite characters in the MCU. So to have Ooh, a movie where... He, where And so to have a movie where he's not involved at all, that's what made it easier for me to like. So I give this, like, a seven and a half. You know, this movie is fun, it's funny, it, it's cool, and it rules. That's what can... That's sweet, bro. I'm happy for you. That sounds pretty cool. Um, and um, the other thing I watched. Yeah. Do you have another thing? No, sure didn't. Okay. And the other thing I watched was Turning Red. Um, okay. Yeah. This movie was very controversial when it came out, and I watched it, and I walked away from why was everyone so strung up about this, right? So the two things that people were upset about was the fact that it mentioned periods in a kid's movie, which like, if that's what you're going to get upset about, get a hobby. Um, it and affects the second, half the world, bro. And the second thing is that it encourages kids to disobey their parents. Hey guys, 
have you watched any kids movie ever? Because that's the plot of like half of them. The Little Mermaid is about her getting legs to actively disobey her dad. Yeah, it feels like a weird hill to die on. So this movie, as far as Disney Pixar movies go, if you're worried about the controversial take, it's not here. This movie is so normal, it's crazy. It's a movie about teenage girls and considering I am not and was not a teenage girl, there were parts of this movie that I did not relate to, which is fine. The story was cute. The characters were cute. It was funny. I liked the relationship that it displayed. Above all else, I really liked the message that it was like, hey, sometimes parents are wrong and sometimes kids are wrong. You're both wrong sometimes. And that movie explores that dynamic really well. So it was really cool. Didn't relate to all of it. Didn't think all of it was funny. Um, But in the end, it was cool. It was cute. Seven. Flat seven. Okay, cool, man. It's about what I would expect. All right. So next month, we start a new theme. And we are doing kind of like a stages of life theme. We are starting with like an adolescent theme. And then we're going to travel into, you know, well, you have the stages written down. Yeah. So we're going to start, kick it off with childhood. And then we're going to transition out of childhood and adolescence and becoming a young adult into finding love. And then we're going to have a movie about having children and dealing with children. And then a 40s, 50s, this is the middle of my life, what's going on and going through that. And then a movie about elderly. So we're going five weeks, five stages of life. And we're starting off with childhood and adolescence with the movie Boyhood. Um, I've seen this movie before. I'm excited to rewatch it. I watched. I had I two. The, Did you watch it in psych it, class? No, I watched it on my own time. Oh, I watched this in school. <laughs> um, but I'm excited to revisit this movie. It's long, so set some time aside to watch this movie. Yes, yeah, two hours um, but, forty five minutes, and it came out in 2014. But it's like oscar award winning and it's revolutionary the way it was shot yeah so we're gonna talk about uh we're gonna talk about all that next week but for now my name is craig wells aka permanent handle and i'm alex good aka alex good have fun be safe and make good choices and while you're at it tell your mom i said hi see you next week deuces (laughs) 